Yeah, that's cool. Where'd you get that at? Test, 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 test. Testing, 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 testing. <laughs> does everybody here ha have a, sh a sheet or does you, okay. It's because I was hiding them. <laughs> I'm going to set these up here right next to my brother Dennis. This is one of the first times I've ever almost ran out of these things. I've got three left. And it looks like everybody's everybody's got one. So I made just enough. Barb, did you get one of these? There you go. All right. Well, it looks like it's 10 a.m. We're all ready to go. Or we're starting. Um, I've got stuff scattered here, too. So, um, we're going to talk about... Um, we're in Mark 15, 1 through 21, and we're going to talk about Jesus's, uh, the, the very, very fair and impartial trial that he received. Um, yeah, I've got, I've got an interesting uh, 
article here written by written by uh, I think it was a lawyer, but he makes reference to the kind of the laws they had at the time and how like each one of those were violated. It's it's pretty interesting. Um, and we'll talk about how Jesus simply didn't defend himself. Well, especially since he had done nothing wrong, he had to make no case for himself and and how uh, this kangaroo court of sorts, and there was more than one session of it, just was set up, Jesus was set up from the word go. Um, so we'll get into that. We'll talk about the soldiers mocking him and um, something that's probably not real pleasant to us because it's kind of shameful that... Uh, that uh, that happened to God himself uh, and that he allowed that to happen to him because he loved all of us and uh, and I got a question here at the end that will that I'll ask because uh, I think I've mentioned it before about if you had all the, all the power in the world to stop somebody from doing these things to you would, would you just stand there and take it knowing in your heart that you didn't deserve it and uh, that gets to be tricky. Well, let's begin as we always do with a prayer. Yeah, Barb. And I ask you to pray for Jim Nicholson, who has another cancer treatment tomorrow, and it makes her very, very sick. Okay. Yeah. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise. Uh, for this time together to study your word, we ask that you give us wisdom and understanding. Uh, this one is is a lot more simpler text, Lord. Not not in the fact that we understand your ways, but we understand uh, that your Son, being all powerful, almighty, and never committing sin, went willingly like a lamb to the slaughter for our sakes. And we are thankful and grateful for that every day of our lives, even though we don't always show it. So we ask you to be with us. Be with those that are ill or undergoing treatment or facing depression, anxious, anxiousness, loneliness, uh, whatever. If it's a medical problem, a mental problem, or a spiritual problem, we all know those draw off one another, Lord. We just ask you to be with all those, to be with Judy and all those people that might be suffering we're going through a hard time at this moment. Uh, just we ask you to lift them up. Be with us this morning as we walk through uh, the, the glorious yet painful sorrow that we, that we see your son go through on our behalf. In the name of your son, we pray. Amen. All right. All right. So let me start here. With, I'll read, I'll read verses 15, 1 through 20, and then we'll just kind of go bit by bit and we'll talk about different things. Okay. Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin reached a decision. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Now Jesus is before Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of? But Jesus still made no reply. And Pilate was amazed. 
Now it was the custom at the feast to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Asked Pilate. Knowing it was out of envy, the chief priest had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do, then, with one of you called king of the Jews? Pilate asked him. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him, and they began to call out to him, Hail, hail, King of the Jews. Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they let him out to crucify him. Okay. So I've got some questions here, and then we'll talk about this mockery of a trial. Okay, the first one here is, why did the Jewish leaders send Jesus to Pilate in the first place? They weren't allowed for capital punishment. Was that, was, yeah, they weren't allowed to execute people. They were not the government. The ruling authority was Rome, and the governor for Rome in that region was Pontius Pilate. So they had to trump up charges that they thought Rome or Pilate would be angry with, because he didn't care if someone was calling himself the king of the Jews, he didn't care if he broke some Jewish law or claiming to be some god of Israel. They, that didn't interest Pilate or, or the Romans. So they had to hand him over to someone who had the legal authority to have someone crucified. They wanted Jesus dead that bad. Okay. Now, We'll get into this a little more later into the details, but we've got, they would have had to lie to Pilate, as Jesus never did anything, that's supposed to be wrong, not Rome. <laughs> never did anything, oh, anything Rome would consider a criminal act, I mean, yeah, okay. So, as I said before, Jesus didn't do anything uh, that Rome would consider punishable by, you know, in, in being in prison or uh, put to death, especially. Uh, that's why they always tried to trick him. You remember that trick, you know, where they tried to get him to say, well, don't pay your taxes. But he always had an answer. They could never fool him. So there's only one thing to do with somebody like this that you can't fool. Now, let me give you an example before I go. You know, we see now, I, I'm sure it's been done before, but I don't, I don't have a real, a real example, but you... You know, you take your television, old television police dramas, and they just know the guy's guilty, but they can't prove it. So what do they do? Bribe, bribe somebody to say something that's not true, plant some evidence. 
So they've got to cook up some charges. They've got to figure out a way where Rome will see Jesus as a criminal and hang him on that cross. This is a conspiracy of the highest level here. The, uh, the, the, the plot to kill God. I came up with that on my own, didn't it? <laughs> okay, we'll move on from that. <laughs> now, the, his trial took place at night. That's why I call it a kangaroo court. We're going to get into why that's a problem here in a minute. But he did have a trial in the daytime, but that is in Luke. So I'm going to turn to Luke 22, and we're going to take a look at that. Okay, we're going to start at verse 66. Luke twenty-two sixty-six. Jesus has been arrested. Uh, Peter has denied knowing Jesus that he said he would never do. Now we have Jesus, at least it's in the daytime, which is lawful, uh, before Herod, that the elders, but not before Herod, yet, but the council of elders of the people, both chief priests and teachers of the law met together, and then Jesus was led before them. If you are the Christ, they said, tell us. Jesus answered, I tell you, you will not, if I tell you, you will not believe me. And if I asked you, you would not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. They all asked, are you then the Son of God? They're saying, are you that guy that's going to be seated at the right hand of God the Father? He replied, you are, you are right in saying that I am he. Then they said, why do we need any more testimony? We have heard it from his own lips. Now that is testimony right there that was, in their eyes, blasphemy because they didn't believe Jesus was God. But Rome could care less about a confession like that. It would mean nothing to them. Um, I've got a question here for myself. It's, if I tell you, you will not believe me. 67. No, they don't have a note here. Okay. Uh, I think what, what he's saying there is, it doesn't matter. You're asking me a question, uh, and I'm going to answer you truthfully, but it doesn't matter because you're not going to believe the truth. I've witnessed to the truth every minute of every day of my life, especially the past three years, and you have not believed a word I have said. It doesn't matter. why He's basically saying, why are you even asking me these questions? You don't want to hear the truth. You want self-incrimination so you can have, you can go to the next step of your phase to kill God. And so that, that was his day trial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's tricky. If I asked you, you would not answer. And we're trying to figure out what question is he talking about, right? Yeah, and I, that's very tricky. 
I mean, and, and of course, in my Bible here with the notes, it has skipped that verse. There is no note on that verse. It just, it doesn't address that, that uh, question. If I, um, if I asked you, you would not answer. It doesn't, I don't see any place in here where it, uh, oh, you, you mean like, um, like when he said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and they just, yeah, they just. They were they they marveled. Sometimes when it says they marveled or they they um, they were in wonder, it doesn't mean they were like, oh. It almost means that they were dumbfounded, like they didn't know what to do. They were like, I didn't expect that. I didn't see that coming. I mean, it's kind of like uh, you know you've seen in your best courtroom dramas they. The lawyer has got somebody on the stand, and they throw something that you think is going to nail them into the coffin, and they come right back with a rebuttal, and the lawyer's like, no more questions. You know, they, they just don't know what to do. Yeah, Dennis. Okay. Because you're saying they they, he, they won't answer the question Jesus asked for what does it say for what purpose? Why won't they? Why would they not answer? Helen suggests it's because they can't, because he gives them a rebuttal. They they can't come back hard stuff. We can't always. Oh, Richard, I'm sorry. Is it NIV? No, it's uh, NASB. Okay. Anyway, it says, come now on, and verse 69, but come now on, son of man, to the right hand of the power of Christ. So, since you can um, from now on, it means to get into life forever. Yeah, from now, like, from right this moment, even though I'm bound and in front of you and you think you have authority over me, I'm seated at the right hand of my father. And, there, you know, and earthly authorities are thinking, well, you're just some joker that's at my mercy. And he's letting them know that's anything but the case. But they can't. It's consisted of one illegal act after another by the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling authority. Um, there was no possibility of a fair trial. To begin with, the Sanhedrin should have never held the trial. They had plotted to kill Jesus ahead of time. Consequently, they were hardly in a position to render a fair verdict as to his guilt or innocence. I never thought of it like that. They already hated him enough to try and kill him, so obviously people did have it in for him. That's why, you know, in jury trials and judge trials, you know, if I had had, if I'm in front of a judge and it's well known we have some personal vendetta against each other, he's supposed to recuse himself. Or guess what? Gets known, becomes a mistrial. 
or one of the jurors is one of my buddies, or somebody that I've had, you know, uh, a past with. So that that's you know that's uh, you don't get to do that. I mean, you know, one side of a court of let's say you know the plaintiff and you get the, the defendant, and the defendant. Let's say the plaintiff is get, just getting their butt kicked. And all of a sudden, they come up with a witness in the middle of the trial that just swings everything in their favor, and it looks real shady. Oh, so Johnny on the spot just walked in with this new information. Now, I think it's interesting that they are tearing apart the case of the Jewish leaders in council because they don't care. They know what they're doing is wrong. They just don't care because to them, Jesus is such a threat. The ends justify the means. Have you ever tried to get yourself through something by telling yourself that. Well, I know this probably isn't the best way to go about doing this, but they deserve it, or this needs to get this. They, he was guilty before this even started, so of course everything they did was geared toward that. To geared to get him before Pilate. This, but, okay, all that we get. They stepped on his rights. They had illegal trials. They did everything against Jesus that they, that they weren't supposed to do. But now we're going to get into the religion. Unholy. Against the law of God. Even though it really wasn't a law of God. They made up a bunch of laws and said they were God's laws, but they weren't necessarily. But if they were the rulers, it's kind of like I make the law, I break the law. I, that's... Who's going to call me to the carpet, right? But he said it in a respectful way. But if you did that in the courtroom and were cute about it, wouldn't matter. Being right wouldn't make you the winner, right? That's what you're saying. Well, you're not supposed to do that on holy days. You're, you're doing an abomination in the eyes of the Lord. Well, they, yeah, they would do something with that person. Yeah. Do as I say, not as I do, right? It's kind of weird when you think about it. I know that we've had them over the centuries. They've had religious courts. But usually, I, in my opinion, that's not where faith and belief belong is in a courtroom. We've got one judge in that manner, in that regard. Gen Dennis? When he, when he asked, are you Messiah, he said the word, ego, ego, in the I am, right? lie about being God. He's never going to lie about being the Son of God. He's never going to lie about being the one God sent. He is going to declare who he is every time he is asked. And that's going to be blasphemy to them, even though he speaks the truth. And there's never going to be any way in a trial for him to prove that to hardened hearts. He's already done all these miraculous um, Conclusion, when all the facts were weighed, it becomes clear that those who tried Jesus on that night were not interested in giving him a fair trial. The verdict had been determined ahead of time by God. Correct? That's not what he means, but that's what I'm saying. That's what this whole path is about. They only went through the motions of the appearance of a fair trial. Jesus was illegally and wrongfully tried. Well, how could someone who had never done anything Let's talk about that. Let me read that again here. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. 
They put a purple robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. They began to call out to him, Hail, hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on of is a joke to them, not a threat. That's why they're all, oh, hail you, we hail you. I'm not trying to be cute, but they're, that's what they're doing. Oh, you're a king, you're a king, and hitting him and spitting on him. Can you imagine how, if they were there, how some of them felt when, uh, you know, the curtain tore and the earth shook and that Roman soldier said, they clothed him with purple, twisted a crown of thorns. A king of that day often wore a purple robe and a gilded wreath of leaves, which is what Caesar wore. The rag of purple and crown of thorns mocked this common practice. Uh, it was a scarlet military cloak, cast off, faded rag. Um, they began to salute him, hail king of the Jews, because being king of the Jews didn't mean a thing to them. Didn't mean a thing to them. Because the kind of power this king has. Hit me one more time. Spit on me one more time, please. But that's a sinner's heart. That's not a gracious heart. That's not love, mercy, and grace. That's anger, retribution, and revenge. Which is not our God. Which was not his purpose for sending Jesus to the cross. When he said it is finished, that part of that what we call the exaltation when he rose from the dead, that part of his mission to save us has been completed, and no longer will he be weak or made fun of or mocked. Now, he might be made fun of, but uh, he sure sure won't uh, show any weakness when he, we see him again. Because he is... Thanks, everybody, for being here. Thanks, everybody online for, for being here. And... Um, I think, I think Pastor Dan finishes up with Mark next week. I think we have either one or two. And then we go into Galatians, which should be fun.